I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 462. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. As we get started today, I recognize engaging God's word for yourself can feel daunting. And while our featured song will give us fresh inspiration as to where to study, the episode guide will give you the interaction tools you need to dig in. So grab your episode 462 guide at michellenizat.com forward slash 462 download. And if you've already subscribed to my email list, this guide is in your inbox, ready to help you discover and meditate on God's word in new ways. So let's jump in to this episode. Micah Tyler's song, I See Grace, talks about seeing grace as he stares at the empty tomb with the stone rolled away. What a perfect song to consider as we head into Easter weekend. And if you're listening to this at another time, it is never a bad time to meditate on Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So before we dive into scripture, let's listen. Now I see grace, hallelujah, I stand Jesus freely gave his life as final payment for sin, and through faith in him, we are redeemed and promised salvation and eternal life with him. And the empty tomb with the stone rolled away truly is a powerful picture of God's grace. So let's hop into the scene together out of Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said, 
nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, we are separated from the emotion of that day by thousands of years. And this means that we are also separated from the cultural context or the cultural understanding of what happened that day by thousands of years too. So you know how they say that hindsight is twenty twenty. you know, meaning it's easier to analyze and evaluate situations when we're looking back on them in the past than when we're in the present moment. No, I cannot imagine what it was like for the followers of Christ at the crucifixion. We are given some emotional clues to try to imagine that. Things like sadness and duty and alarm and fear and trembling and astonishment. We saw all of those aspects right there in that scripture that we just read out of Mark. But looking back on this scene, I can see that it is a picture of grace, God's generous favor and provision when we did not deserve it. But the followers of Christ that day, they were coming from a very different place. You see, we look at the cross and see grace. The people of Jesus's day would have seen a curse. So let's read Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14 with me. It says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. All right, let me just pause here for a second to say that apart from Christ, we are under the law. And so therefore we are cursed because it is impossible by to, for us to abide by all of the things written in the book of the law and do them. It's impossible. That's, that's why we're under that curse. Now, the text goes on to say in Galatians, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. So what he's saying here is we cannot be justified by God through good works. Uh, Number one, it's impossible for us to keep all of the aspects of the law. But then even if we were able to, that doesn't bring justification. So to be justified is to be declared innocent of sin and to be counted as righteous. So we cannot work our way to innocence because perfect obedience to God's law is impossible. And plus, that's just not the way that God has it set out. Um, He wants justification to come by faith. So we're cursed if we are outside of faith. So let's keep reading. But Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. All right, so just in case you think that Paul is just overstating things in his letter to the Galatians, we need to see that his teaching is founded in the Old Testament. So let's head over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to start reading in verse 15. If you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, I being Moses is speaking to the people, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall you be uh, shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. Now, you could make a list of these curses, but I really don't want you to because it's not really intended to be an exhaustive list. It's rather indicative of the penetrating level of 
being cursed that we are when we do not obey all of God's commands, which we've already said is impossible to do. But honestly, Deuteronomy 28, Moses wasn't done. Let's start reading in verse 20. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on the account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. Keep that word in mind because we're going to talk more about it in a minute. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and fever, inflammation and fiery heat, drought and blight and mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish, and the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven, dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them, and you shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And your dead body shall be food for all birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth. And there shall be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and scabs and itch of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind. And you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness. And you shall not prosper in your ways. And you shall only be oppressed and robbed continually. And there shall be no one to help Help you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man will ravish her. You will build a house, but you will not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you will not enjoy its fruit. We are cursed and doomed. And it goes on and on and on. Now, I read more than I normally do because I want us to understand the overwhelming nature of the curse, the completeness of of the curse, the destruction of the curses. And I read more than you were probably comfortable with. <laughs> At some point you were probably thinking, okay, Michelle, just, I get it. But, but honestly, it's not all. I want you to read the text for yourself in Deuteronomy 28. I did not finish the chapter. It continued on. It is not going to be happy reading, but it is necessary. We have to look at it. The harder we look at it, the greater our understanding of the grace of the empty tomb with the stone rolled away. R.C. Sproul writes in his book, God's Love, How the Infinite God Cares for His Children. He writes, we cannot begin to grasp the significance of the cross or the full measure of the love of God without first having some idea of the biblical concept of the curse. Now, much of what I'm teaching today comes from this book by R.C. Sproul. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. But utilizing a trusted source like this in your study time is taking the bite of consulting an outside resource. Now, bite stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. These are habits that I use to keep my time in God's Word varied and effective. And I generally want you to take the bite of consulting an outside resource only after you've read the text 
for yourself. Now, because the account of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is well known by many, however, uh, I I want you to read that for yourself. Pick pick one of the Gospels or, or read all four of the Gospels and remind yourself of the details of his death, burial, and resurrection. But because it's so common and, and perhaps you've experienced or, or read this story before, I allowed this resource to guide where I would study in relation to the curse. And so now let's take the bite of considering the opposite. So considering the opposite is something, um, you know, there's a way to a better way to understand something when you consider the opposite of it. So again, the opposite of a curse is a blessing. So let's consider a blessing that we may be familiar with in scripture. I really unpack this section of scripture in episode 330. Um, it comes from Numbers chapter 6. And there is a song that is called The Blessing, and it talks about, it, it sings this blessing, and then of course we unpack it in episode 330. I, I encourage you to go check that out. But let's read the blessing itself, Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So in this blessing, we learn what Jewish people consider the highest possible state of blessedness, and that is to be kept by God for his face to shine upon them. That was considered grace, right? Uh, let, let his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. That's grace for and, and for his presence that leads to peace. Lord, lift up his countenance. His face is on you and that gives you peace. So if the blessing is God's presence and nearness and all that comes out of God's near presence, then the curse is measured in terms of the distance God was from you. So let's now consider the picture of the scapegoat in Leviticus 16. Leviticus 16 verse 20, when he made when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. This is the high priest. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions all their sins and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness the goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness so this is a symbolic imputation of the sins of the people to the goat Okay, this is the scapegoat, but the goat was not slaughtered in the camp. Rather, the goat was driven into the wilderness, this place of outer darkness. It symbolized the place of cursing. So the camp symbolized where the presence of God dwelt and the wilderness symbolized outer darkness. So Christ was not only the sacrificial lamb, which is another area that you can read in Leviticus, but he is also the scapegoat. He paid for our sins through death on the cross and then removed them and carried them away from us. So in this sense, Christ became a curse for us. So I want you to consider these details of the death of Christ. He was killed by Romans, not Jews. And so Romans would would have been considered, quote, outside the camp, right? 
He was physically killed outside of the walls of Jerusalem. Again, this picture of being outside the camp, right? So the scapegoat was taken outside the camp and then sent off into the wilderness. And he was not killed by stoning. You know, it was the habit of the Jews to stone people to death, but uh, it was the habit of the Romans to crucify them. So that is where he fulfilled the Old Testament curse for anyone who's hung on a tree. That comes from Deuteronomy 21. It says, if a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he's put to death, And you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on a tree, but you shall bury him the same day, for a hanged man is cursed by God. And you shall not defile your land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance. So when Paul is saying, cursed is anyone who's hanged on a tree, he's quoting from Deuteronomy. Another another detail that you might want to think about is that God plunged the world into darkness in the middle of the day. Mark Mark 15 says when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's that word again. We're going to we're going to talk about it more. Which leads us to this fullest manifestation of the curse, which is being forsaken by God. So to be cursed of God is to be forsaken by God. And Jesus's cry was not merely an expression of disillusionment or an imagined sense of forsakenness. This comes straight from R.C. Sproul's book. For him to complete his work of redemption, he had to actually be forsaken. He had to receive the curse of the father in his own person. The father had to turn his back on his only begotten son. The father had to cover his face and not let Jesus see the light of his countenance. Now, there are arguments that say that Jesus merely felt forsaken. But for Jesus to be a curse for us, he had to endure the full measure of that curse. Consider these verses from Isaiah 53. We unpack Isaiah 53 in episode 370. I also highly recommend that episode. But Isaiah 53 verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm picturing that scapegoat again. So God laid on Christ the iniquity of us all and then sent him away from the camp of his presence into the outer darkness of the wilderness. He didn't feel like he was removed from God's presence. He was in order that the redemption would be complete. It is really hard. Some of these things are really hard to understand. These additional verses from Isaiah 53 verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. R.C. Sproul says this, In what sense does Scripture speak of the pleasure of God when it says that it pleased the Lord to bruise him? My this for, uh, ESV said it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Uh, it, but other versions say it pleased the Lord to bruise him. 
This does not mean that God took sadistic delight or diabolical pleasure in tormenting his uh, beloved son. The The reference to pleasure indicates that his father was pleased by the redemption that was accomplished in this manner. It pleased the father that his son was willing to give his life as a ransom for many. It pleased the father that his son was willing to make himself of no reputation so we could be redeemed. It pleased the father that the son did not depart from the plan that had been conceived in eternity. The pleasure was in the redemption, not in the pain endured by the son. The pleasure was in the redemption not in the pain endured by the son. And Jesus knew that the forsaking was temporary because then we read in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, when he cries out with a loud voice saying, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathes his last. So Jesus knew uh, he was not going to commit his spirit into someone who remained Uh, where he remained in a forsaken relationship with him. So it happened. He was forsaken in that moment, but it was temporary. So because the details of the burial speak to a God who no longer forsook his son, you know, they didn't break his legs that fulfilled scripture. He was buried, uh, Old Testament scripture. He was buried in a rich man's tomb to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. Peter proclaimed that the body of Jesus did not see corruption. In this famous sermon in Acts chapter two, Peter says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of all that we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So he, Peter again says that, that, um, uh, that, that Jesus was not abandoned And his flesh did not see corruption. And that was part of the Old Testament fulfillment as well. And so again, this forsaking happened, but it was temporary. So yes, as I stand at this empty tomb with the stone rolled away, I see grace. But oh, how astounding the grace is in contrast with the curse. How astounding the grace is that is greater than all our sin. Grace that carries away our sin, never to be counted against us when we choose to believe in and follow Christ. So what's next? Well, take this opportunity to read the account of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ in all four gospels, and then head over to Deuteronomy to consider the magnitude of the curse that we are under without Christ. And as you look into the empty tomb and you see that stone rolled away, meditate on the immeasurable grace on display and worship. While you're in God's word, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat or michellekneezat is my public Facebook page. We can talk about what you're learning there. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And then don't forget to grab your episode guide at michellekneezat.com 
forward slash 462 download. And with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers like Denny from Alabama, Leanne from Texas, Heather from New York, Teresa from Georgia, Vizika from South Africa, Alice from Louisiana. Alice, that's my mom. She just got a new email address, but I had to say her name. Uh, Deanne from Georgia, Elizabeth from Missouri, Carol from the U.S., Rita from Ohio, Loretta from Maryland, Tamara from Minnesota, Sharon from Kentucky, Heather from Alabama, and Chelsea from Pennsylvania. Welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneesat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And when you're there, I just ask you to leave a review uh, like Becky, Becky Jane, who writes, this podcast speaks to my heart. Connecting the songs I listen to and worship with to the word of God is very enriching. Michelle Neesat's Bible study methods of bite is very much how I like to study the word. Variety, multiple sources, context, cross-reference, References, definitions, all these and more. Episode 460 was particularly good today. There was a deep dive into scripture, both for history and word study. The focus on praise is near to my heart. Well, thank you for those kind words, Becky, for taking the time to review the podcast. It really does mean a lot, and it does help the podcast stay visible to new listeners. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next time, I will be featuring Desert Road by Casting Crowns to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing? it with others. I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 462. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.